Good morning and welcome to BP's second quarter 2019 results presentation. I'm Craig Marshall, BP's Head of Investor Relations, and I'm here today with Bob Dudley, Group Chief Executive, and Brian Gilvary, Chief Financial Officer. Before we begin today's presentation, please take a moment to review our cautionary statement. During today's presentation, we will make forward-looking statements that refer to our estimates, plans, and expectations. Actual results and outcomes could differ materially due to factors we note on this slide and in our UK and SEC filings. Please refer to our annual report, stock exchange announcement, and SEC filings for more details. These documents are available on our website. Now, over to Bob. Thanks, Craig, and thank you to everybody joining us on the call today. This is an important quarter, not just because we're at the midpoint of the year, but also because we're at the midpoint of the five-year strategy we laid out in early 2017. I'll begin by taking you through some key highlights from the second quarter and provide some reflections on what has continued to be a challenging macro environment. I also want to talk about the focus we're giving to the energy transition and our low-carbon agenda. Brian will then take you through the financial results in detail, and I'll come back to talk about three specific areas of our business that you have been asking to hear more about. BPX Energy in the U.S., our global fuels marketing business, and the activity we are progressing across our low-carbon businesses, including the biofuels announcement we made last week. All of these businesses are central to our growth agenda into the next decade and beyond and core to the integrated global energy business we are continuing to shape. I'll then close, and we will ensure we have plenty of time to take your questions. So getting straight into highlights from the quarter, we reported underlying replacement cost profit of $2.8 billion for the second quarter of 2019. Underlying operating cash flow was $8.2 billion, which included a $1.5 billion working capital release. This strong financial performance, alongside our strategic growth agenda, underpins our commitment to growing sustainable free cash flow and distributions to our shareholders over the long term. You see that in the upstream, where four of our five major projects planned for this year are now online following the startup of the Colleen Project in the North Sea. This takes us to 23 major projects online since early 2016, further underpinning the delivery of our 2021 free cash flow target and on track for our 900,000 barrels per day of new production. We have also taken five final investment decisions in the first half of this year including two projects in the Gulf of Mexico, then Azerbaijan, the North Sea, and India, keeping us well-positioned for continued growth into the next decade. We've been just as busy in the downstream, with a large turnaround program taking place across our refining system, upgrading our facilities in advance of the new IMO 2020 regulation, or some call it MARPOL, which will come into force at the end of this year. We are continuing to grow our fuels marketing business with more than 15% underlying fuels marketing earnings growth compared to the first half of 2018, and we've had some exciting developments with our partners, notably Group Renault. From the 1st of January 2020, Castro will become Renault's global service fill partner for engine oil lubricants. Castro also extended its Formula One sponsorship of Renault's sport racing through to the end of 2024. This further strengthens the relationship we have with a highly valued strategic partner. Another area of strategic focus is the work we're doing to advance the energy transition. 
we supported a progressive shareholder resolution on corporate reporting. It passed with overwhelming support at our AGM in May and means we'll provide more information about how our strategy is consistent with the goals of the Paris Agreement. We have made strong progress on operational emissions reductions and also linked the pay to 36,000 employees, or around half our workforce, including executive directors, to progress on that. We've joined the Hydrogen Council. We will work alongside fellow members to promote large-scale, low-carbon, hydrogen-based opportunities, an important step given the major role hydrogen is expected to play as part of a lower-carbon energy mix. We've also taken a number of significant steps to grow our alternative energy business. Our solar business, LightSource BP, continues to grow with a big expansion in Brazil following the acquisition of 1.9 gigawatts of greenfield solar projects. LightSource BP now has a presence in 10 countries and continues to progress its ambition to become a significant player in the local solar market. And just last week, we announced plans to expand our biofuels business in Brazil by more than 50% through a joint venture with Bungay. We are combining our well-established ethanol businesses to create BP Bungay Bioenergia, a leading bioenergy company in one of the world's largest, fastest-growing markets for biofuels. That's a very high-level summary of the progress we're making in what continues to be a volatile macro environment. Oil prices are currently trading in a range of $60 to $70 per barrel, having recovered from around $50 per barrel at the start of the year. We expect prices to remain volatile as continued supply growth, notably in the U.S. onshore, competes with slowing demand growth, along with ongoing concerns around the possible impact of geopolitical tensions, especially in Iran and Venezuela. In the gas markets, an easing in demand growth following the exceptional strength seen last year and continued expansion of LNG supply has led to significantly lower prices. The Henry Hub gas price remains well below $3 per million British thermal units. And spot prices in Europe and Asia are about 40% below their levels a year ago. In the absence of extreme weather conditions, LNG is expected to be oversupplied through 2019 and 2020, with gas prices expected to remain under pressure. That macro view of the environment sits alongside the big energy system change that is underway as society looks to move towards a more sustainable low-carbon future. You'll see I'm putting significant emphasis on the energy transition today, and I want to be absolutely clear about our approach how our strategy is consistent with the Paris Agreement, and how we are framing our future. If the climate goals laid out in the Paris Agreement are to be met, we need to all come together and take action collectively to bring about a rapid transition to a low-carbon future. In fact, in a world that is not currently on a sustainable path, we are actively supportive of advancing a faster transition. As well as being in the world's best interest, we believe it is in the best interest of BP and all its stakeholders. It means less uncertainty in planning our business and greater clarity about how we can help meet society's needs for more energy with lower greenhouse gas emissions with good returns for our shareholders. We're guided in that by the work our economics team does in compiling our annual BP statistical review and BP energy outlook and we're proud to make those available to support discussion and public debate, something we've done for many years now. 
Within BP, we have a clear approach that we set out last year, our Reduce, Improve, Create framework. It focuses the group as a whole of reducing emissions in our operations, improving the quality of our products so that our customers can reduce their emissions, and on creating new, low, or zero-carbon businesses. We have the right strategy, one that is very much consistent with the Paris Agreement and supported by our technical capabilities, financial resources, and global reach. We have a flexible portfolio of many forms of energy that is shaped by our four strategic priorities and enables us to adapt and move in line with the fast pace of change or as opportunities arise. We're supporting improved transparency and engagement to help our investors better understand how we are managing BP through the transition, as seen in the resolution we supported at our AGM. And we continue to advocate for well-designed policy measures, including putting a price on carbon for producers and consumers, which only governments can do. We believe this is the most efficient and equitable tool to drive changes in behaviors across the entire energy system. Everyone has to contribute, companies, consumers, and governments. There is a lot we are doing within BP without waiting on that. We're framing our future by actively growing our low-carbon activities today, looking ahead at how we decarbonize our portfolio in a low-carbon world, and as we move through this transition, ensuring we remain focused on delivering value for our shareholders. So unlike what some of our critics may say, we believe we have a significant role to play and can be part of the solution. Let me now hand over to Brian. Thanks, Bob. Turning firstly to the environment, Brent crude averaged $69 per barrel in the second quarter compared with $63 per barrel in the first quarter. Crude prices increased early in the quarter, supported by OPEC plus production cuts, as well as supply impacts from lower Iranian exports and the ongoing production disruptions in Venezuela. Prices have since declined, driven by increasing concerns around global economic slowdown and the potential impact on oil demand, together with continuing robust growth of US tight oil. OECD oil stocks remain around five-year average levels, with continued supply growth from the US onshore and Brazil being largely offset by OPEC plus countries' production cuts and continued, albeit weaker, demand growth. As Bob mentioned, we expect prices to remain volatile. Recent geopolitical events, particularly in the Strait of Hormuz and the potential for worsening global economic conditions, are creating concerns around supply and demand fundamentals, driving volatility in prices. Turning to US gas prices, which remained weak during the second quarter, with Henry Hub averaging $2.60 per million British thermal units, compared with $3.20 in the first quarter. The weakness in price reflects continued strong supply growth and inventory levels increasing relative to the low levels of the previous two quarters. In Europe and Asia, spot prices have reduced significantly as LNG supply continues to grow with demand easing, particularly in China. BP's global refining market margin averaged $15.20 per barrel in the second quarter, compared with $10.20 per barrel in the first quarter, primarily driven by stronger gasoline demand and U.S. refining disruptions. In the medium term, refining margins are expected to see some support with the implementation of IMO 2020, which should also contribute to increased widening of light-heavy crude differentials. Moving to our results. 
BP's second quarter underlying replacement cost profit was $2.8 billion, compared to $2.8 billion a year ago and $2.4 billion in the first quarter of 2019. Compared to the first quarter, the result reflects higher upstream liquids realisations, higher refining margins and lower expiration write-offs. This was offset by reduced supply and trading contribution in both oil and gas compared to very strong first quarters for both, lower gas realisations and a higher level of refinery turnarounds. Compared to a year ago, the result reflects lower North American heavy crude discounts, lower upstream liquids realisations and a higher level of refinery turnarounds. This was offset by a relatively strong supply and trading result in both oil and gas and the ramp-up of major projects. And finally, the second quarter dividend, payable in the third quarter, remains unchanged at 10.25 cents per ordinary share. Turning to cash flow. Excluding Gulf of Mexico oil spill-related outgoings, underlying cash flow was $8.2 billion for the second quarter and $14.2 billion for the first half of 2019. This included a working capital release of $1.5 billion in the second quarter and $0.5 billion for the first half of the year. Organic capital expenditure was $3.7 billion in the second quarter and $7.3 billion in the first half of 2019. Turning to inorganic cash flows, in the first half of 2019, divestment and other proceeds totaled $700 million and we made post-tax Gulf of Mexico payments of $2.1 billion. Inorganic capital expenditure was $4 billion, including the two final payments made to BHP in April of $1.7 billion. Consequently, as anticipated, gearing rose to 31% at the end of the second quarter. We continued our share buyback programme, buying back 17 million ordinary shares in the first half of 2019 at a cost of $125 million. Turning to guidance... Looking to the third quarter, we expect upstream production to be lower than in the second quarter due to seasonal turnaround and maintenance activities, including in the North Sea, Angola and Gulf of Mexico, as well as weather impacts in the Gulf of Mexico, where we experienced 14 days of production disruption associated with Hurricane Barry. In the downstream, we expect a lower level of turnaround activity and lower industry refining margins. At the midpoint of the year, we are maintaining our full year 2019 guidance. We expect organic capital expenditure to be in the range of 15 to 17 billion dollars and the DDNA charge to be around 18 billion dollars. Gulf of Mexico oil spill payments are expected to be around 2 billion dollars. Assuming recent average oil prices, we expect gearing to trend down through the second half of the year back into the 20 to 30 percent range. We expect to continue our share buyback programme and to fully offset the impact of script dilution since the third quarter of 2017 by the end of the year. In other business and corporate, the average underlying quarterly charge is expected to be around $350 million, although this may fluctuate between individual quarters. And in the current environment, the underlying effective tax rate is expected to remain around 40%. In summary we've delivered another resilient set of quarter results. We remain committed to delivering more than $10 billion of investments through 2019 and 2020. And so far this year, divestment proceeds and announced transactions have totaled $1.5 billion. 
We have now completed the final payments to BHP and expect Gulf Mexico oil spill payments to reduce. Assuming recent average oil prices and in line with expected growth in free cash flow and receipt of divestment proceeds, we continue to expect gearing to move towards the middle of our targeted range of 20 to 30 percent through 2020. With the continuing momentum across the business and growing free cash flow, we remain confident in our medium term financial frame and the strength of our balance sheet. This in turn underpins our commitment to growing distributions to shareholders over the longer term. With that, let me now hand back to Bob. Thanks, Brian. As I mentioned earlier, let me now review the three business areas that you've asked about. Firstly, BPX Energy. While the team has only been operating the assets acquired from BHP since March the 1st this year, the early results from the ongoing integration process are encouraging. First, as we discussed when we announced the acquisition, we're now very confident in delivering over $350 million of annual synergies by 2021. At the time of the transaction, we had expected to achieve about $90 million of this in 2019, but now expect to achieve around $240 million, or 70% the full run rate. The majority of this has been made through organizational efficiencies, designing the combined organization for scale, and enabling us to grow with less overhead. We also continue to ramp up activity in the newly acquired assets, with 10 rigs operating, seven in the Eagleford and three in the Permian. The early results from our operations have been promising. In both basins, the wells we have drilled are performing at or above their planned production levels, and costs for new wells are coming down. We're also working to optimize life of field development. In the Permian, we're designing infrastructure that will improve reliability and reduce cost and help us minimize emissions. We plan to continue testing, promising new zones this year in the Permian and Austin Chalk in the Eagleford. The progress to date in capturing the synergies early and the well results continues to give us confidence in the future of the business. Given it is only four months in, we will have more to update you on at the end of the year. Turning to the downstream, we continue to grow our fuels marketing business, supporting our target to increase downstream earnings by $3 billion by 2021. We are now halfway through that journey and remain on track to deliver this growth. We have grown fuels marketing earnings on an underlying basis by more than 15% in the first half of this year, and by over 40% since 2016. Convenient sales are forecast to grow by over 8% per year out to 2025, which we are well-placed to capture through our differentiated offer. Since 2016, we have grown the number of convenience partnership sites by around 65%, delivering $1.2 billion of non-fuel retail gross margin in the last 12 months. This model continues to deliver a strong customer value proposition while capturing higher per-site earnings and differentiated returns. In fast-growing emerging markets, we continue to expand our footprint and now have more than 1,200 sites in the fast-growing economies of China, Mexico, and Indonesia. In Mexico, where we were the first international oil company to enter the deregulated fuel retail market, we now have more than 460 sites, making this the fifth-largest market in our portfolio by volume. In digital, we continue to evolve and enhance our global customer engagement platform, BPME. 
This app provides an easy, fast, and convenient way for customers to pay for fuel from their car, and downloads have doubled over the last six months to more than two million. In the UK, we've just launched our new loyalty program, BP Me Rewards, allowing us to interact with our customers and deliver a better personalized experience. Customer reaction has been good, with around half a million registrations in the first weeks since its launch. Another way we're enhancing our customer experience and strong, convenient offer is the introduction of ultra-fast charging at our forecourts, focusing initially on the UK, China, and Germany. Following last year's acquisition of ChargeMaster, we now have more than 7,000 charging points across the UK, and in the coming weeks we will begin installing ultra-fast chargers at BP forecourts, building a national network of high-power charging one which will closely replicate the current fueling experience, allowing customers to charge their cars on average for 10 minutes for up to a 100-mile range. The final business to mention now is one of our four strategic priorities, our growing low-carbon activities. We have a lot going on, both in terms of existing renewable energy businesses as well as our investment in new low-carbon activity. We've learned a lot from our operations in renewable energies for over 20 years. This may seem like a long time, but it's a sector that is still evolving, especially in comparison to our foundation oil and gas business, where we've been operating for over 110 years. Through our investment in oil and gas, we provide energy to meet the world's needs, as well as deliver a competitive return for our shareholders. And it is now helping fund the growth of new energies. This year, we will invest more than half a billion dollars of capital which is more than the total annual capital expenditure for each of the companies in the lower half of the FTSE 100. We invest in these low-carbon opportunities under a capital-light model, ensuring we remain within our disciplined capital frame while creating a material impact. A good example of this is the $200 million investment we made in LightSource BP in 2018, a leader in solar development. That business has now attracted $7 billion of financing from infrastructure funds to develop large-scale solar projects around the world. When people say our capital spending on new energies is small, I think you have to consider the leverage we enable. Of $200 million, in this case, to $7 billion, our activity spans a number of renewable energy businesses. Renewable fuels, renewable products, wind energy, solar energy, and biopower including in biofuels and biopower through the joint venture with Bungay, which brings together a combination of scale, capability, and synergies in one of the world's leading markets for ethanol as a transport fuel, and which we believe to be key to decarbonizing road transportation. In wind energy, where we have a leading portfolio in the U.S. onshore sector, and, as mentioned, in solar, where our investment in light source BP is growing rapidly, with the ambition of reaching 8 gigawatts of installed solar capacity by 2022. That's enough to power more than 2 million homes. Beyond our renewable energy businesses, we are also actively developing low-carbon businesses and customer offers across our five focus areas. We are participating in a number of ways through direct equity investments to supporting startups or developing our own projects. This gives us access to a wide range of new and innovative ideas, technologies, and businesses, and we can be agile in our approach. 
Some of our investments will have clear adjacencies to our existing businesses, such as our investments in BP Chargemaster, which fits within the downstream's advanced mobility agenda, along with StoreDot, an ultra-fast charging battery developer, and Fulcrum, which will turn municipal waste into biojet fuels. These are scalable businesses that complement our existing offerings, and we will give customers differentiated low-carbon options. Others may be in areas that are more novel but have the potential to support our products, such as Callista's use of methane in the production of proteins for fish food. Each investment has to meet our investment criteria and support our strategy. And our experience in investing in startups over recent years, where we have invested around $600 million, has established a track record that we are using to tap into some of the world's most interesting markets. We have an active presence across Europe, China, Tel Aviv, and Silicon Valley. We partner with leading developers where we are leveraging our relationships around the world and deploy these technologies. Then we support the scale-up of these businesses. And finally, we are actively working together across the industry and with other external organizations. This includes the Oil and Gas Climate Initiative, or OGCI, the Climate Leadership Council, as well as leveraging our expertise to help in educational and research projects just to name a few. There will be lots more to come in this area as we continue to learn and grow these businesses as an important part of our role in the energy transition. I'll briefly summarize now before we move to Q&A. We're midway through our five-year strategy. We are continuing to deliver strong underlying operational and financial performance and are making clear progress against the five-year plan. Quarter 10 of that plan has been a strong one. Safety remains our number one priority, and alongside reliable operations and a disciplined financial framework provides the foundation for growing the value of your company. Strong financial performance also allows us to grow our low-carbon activities, where we're investing with discipline in fast-growing alternative energy businesses, as well as emerging low-carbon businesses. Together, these can make a significant contribution to the energy transition. And we have plans to host an investor event in November this year where we will update the market on our current low-carbon activities and future ambitions. On that note, thank you for listening. 